Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. San Antonio district judge resigns after a federal corruption probe. A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it? I did it because I was foolish. Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on RevolverPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that boss next. Big jab there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. Down goes Duffy O'Connor. Frank Mir does it again. Rock him, suck him, robots here. Oh, my goodness. I There are a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. All right, quick turn for the Anakin Florian Podcast, episode 339. It is Sunday, March 6th, 2022. It's 9.05 a.m. Pacific, and I feel like it is, but I'm back on the East Coast. My guy from the PFL Challenger Series, BattleBots was on in the hotel room, by the way, in uh, in Las Vegas for me. <laughs> You're all over the goddamn joint. Good I tell you, you, I'm so sorry to all, all, the, all the people out there who are watching television right now. Uh, it is great to see you, my friend. Uh, have a beautiful day here in North Carolina. Uh, we had some great fights, and uh, let's go. It's amazing that you ended up in North Carolina. I am <laughs> filled with envy. All right, so a lot to get to today. We will recap UFC 272, of course, which just expired a few hour, hours ago. Ray Longo scheduled to join us in 15 minutes. So we'll see if he's there on the screws, 1220. And uh, we have predictions with our man, Brian Petrie, coming up in the main event challenge. Actually, six of them for UFC Fight Night. Santos versus Ankalaev. I may have that backwards, but either way, uh, banging fight card coming up this weekend. But, Kenfo, that week was just insane. Like, I don't know how I feel about my performance, and thankfully we don't have to talk about that today. But, like, I was on fumes by the time I got to Saturday. I just think there was so much emotion for everybody involved. And obviously these shows are fairly arduous for me to prepare to begin with. But um, let us talk about the fight. It was Colby Covington over Jorge Masvidal by unanimous decision. 49-46, 50-44, and 50-45. And, uh, you know, I can't believe he's not on the pound-for-pound list. I got to think a win like this maybe gives him some consideration. What were your thoughts on Covington handling yet another emotional rivalry grudge match um, with very, very, you know, with flying colors. 
Well, you did kill it, my friend. So, uh, you know, to go back to your point before, it, oh. it was awesome. Awesome show. So, yeah, I, I can imagine. Listen, there was so much venom between these guys, you know, uh, a lot of security around all the time. So huh. when you have this genuine uh, rivalry, you know, you have to promote it. And, and I'm sure they had a bunch of interviews and press conferences and different events, you know, going over all this stuff. So, uh, listen, I, I think that um, there was a lot of motions heading into it. I thought both men did a good job of controlling it for the most part. Uh, Colby does what Colby does, and he went out there and executed beautifully. Uh, it was the perfect game plan, especially against someone like a Jorge Masvidal, where you get in their face, you let them carry the weight, and you slow them down over time. And, you know, Jorge is most dangerous early in a fight. The first 10 to 12 minutes, you really have to be very careful. And, and once Colby kind of crossed that threshold, it seemed to only get worse. Jorge had his moments, of course, uh, but it was Colby wrestling, uh, grinding out uh, each and every round, making Jorge work uh, infinitely more than he was. Uh, and I think that's that's that was the approach. It was a smart approach, and Colby went out there and uh, truly delivered. I have so many things to say about Covington's performance. I have some fairly pointed question, I guess, on Masvidal's performance because I thought there were some things that maybe he could have done a little bit differently. But for Colby Covington, obviously the chin held up because I think the most seminal blow on either side was landed by Jorge Masvidal. But I just want to get your thoughts on the overall package, the conditioning, right? The commitment to this craft, 365 days a year from Colby Covington, his will to win. Last guy on the roster who'd be looking for a way out if even he was hurt significantly significantly in a fight which doesn't happen all that often um and all of that is just so colored by the persona and i think that's part of the reason he's not on the pound for pound list but what do you make of this covington package and and what i believe is one of if not the best gas tanks in mma history gosh th there's a lot there you know similar to conor mcgregor you get caught up in all the talk and all the stuff that's on the outside, on the periphery, uh, that kind of gets you distracted. And you think about all the things about, you know, him uh, talking trash and being disrespectful and, you know, pushing your buttons and all that stuff. And you forget that he's an excellent fighter. You forget that he's very methodical in his approach and he's very calculated. He's not, you know, this chaotic character, right? Um, so, yeah, I think a lot of that is deception, right? And it works very well for him. But as you mentioned, you know, he's a very hard worker. That is clear. You're not able to to put that kind of pace on your opponent if you're not working hard. And that's a huge part of his arsenal. His conditioning is like a submission, uh, either literal or yeah. mental type submission where you just check out. You're like, I cannot keep up the pace with this individual. Colby has that kind of conditioning. He has that kind of pace. Um, and we talked about this before. You have to know who you are as a fighter, what your strengths and weaknesses are. Colby is not the most technical guy. He's not a yeah. guy who's going to wow you with all this flash. What he's going to wow you with is pressure, conditioning, pacing, not stopping, um, and just always finding another gear. So he was mixing up his punches really well. They were effective enough to let him get to a clinch position, and pin Jorge up against the cage, which I'd like to talk about later as well. Yeah, we will talk about the fence stuff, and I'll make a note to get back to it. J.C. Santana, whom you know, one of the strength and conditioning coaches that works with Gilbert Burns that I work with down here in South Florida, talks about genetic bandwidth. And Colby Covington talked about this third long. I mean, this week he mistakenly called it a second long, I believe. 
but recognizing it very early on cardiovascularly as a kid, as an athlete. And I ended up being a soccer goalie because I didn't have that third lung and they stuck me on midfield. And I was like, dude, I'm gassing. Now you played midfield at Boston College and I know you had a good resting heart rate. Did you like sense early on that you had like better wind than uh, than other athletes like at a young age? I guess, you know, I, I kind of had to work for it, but th- there was a certain point. I mean, I had a lot of energy as a kid, um, but I, I think I had to work to get there. And over time, just from playing midfield and running miles and miles and miles, uh, eventually I, I pushed through a barrier where I, I really would not get tired. And yeah. I found that even through through training and stuff like that, uh, cardio-wise, maybe not to, um, you know anaerobically, but aerobically, um, I, I had the ability to to go a long time for sure. Because you hear Daniel Valverde and Cesar Carnero just talk about this otherworldly energy that Colby Covington has during fight weeks, right? And he's expending all this energy with the media all the time, and he's totally locked in on what his audience is and bringing up the Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott when he does something with Stephen A. Smith, and yet he is just busting out with energy in training. And I think some of that can be attributed to the fact that he's fighting at his natural weight. But I think a lot of it is just the, the 24, seven, 365 commitment. You know, I think it yeah. goes without saying that even though Masvidal is the former lightweight, that uh, it was a more challenging Friday morning getting to that number for Jorge than it was for Colby. You know, I, I think that's accurate. You know, obviously uh, he's taking the approach of a professional. He's training a lot. You and I called maybe his first fight, at least a lot of his early fights. Yeah. And, you know, we certainly saw a development in his game. Uh, that that takes consistency, and, and that's absolutely what Colby is doing uh, in the background. You know. Yeah. All right. So I'm not an analyst. So I'm watching Jorge Masvidal in this fight, and. He seems to, I don't know if he's using the fence as a crutch in terms of his Mm -hmm. takedown defense, not wanting to be taken down in the middle of the octagon, but it seemed like there were plenty of times uh, where he could have reset and tried to get it closer to that napkin area in the middle of the octagon. And I don't know, he just wanted to play on the outside and I thought it set things up for Colby. Um, I don't know. What else do you have on the fence and Masvidal and all that? You know, John, I think you nailed it. You know, it's a double-edged sword, that fence. Uh, It could be your friend or it could be your enemy. It's your enemy in that it allows your opponent to pin you up against there. It it limits your space in which you move. Uh, But also, it can be a great way to keep you upright. You can lead against the fence. You can be a little bit more efficient. Um, And I think Jorge was waiting for Colby to kind of come forward and catch him and always have that fence behind him, which would keep him upright, where he can lean on it to keep him uh, from being taken down. But after a certain point, right, it's like it's not working. You're getting taken down anyway. Circle to the middle of the of the cage where you'll have more space uh, and, and can move around. You could sprawl and try something a little bit different uh, because when he was getting taken down, uh, there were times where he would turn towards the fence, but he was still being controlled. He was still being pinned down there. So it wasn't working. So, yeah, I would have liked to see him uh, move to the center of the cage a little bit more uh, where he could be a little bit more dynamic. But I don't know, John. You know, it's tough. In the Usman fight, I certainly saw it, perhaps in the fight before that, a little bit at times. But what I'm seeing, and maybe I'm seeing this incorrectly, but I'm seeing not maybe a flat-footed Jorge Masvidal, but what I'm seeing is a guy that might be actually slowing down a little bit. He's been fighting a long time, right? And I hate to to say that, oh, this is a physical thing and he's getting older and blah, blah. But uh, that's a real thing. Um, and I saw a guy that Jorge used to have amazing reaction time. Uh, and to me, he seemed a lot faster 
in, in previous fights than he did in the last couple fights. Yeah. And, you know, getting knocked out by Usman doesn't help. Getting hit in training doesn't help. He's been doing that for many, many years. So that was a little concerning. And he gets a little too upright. So if, you're, if your stance isn't very wide, if you do get hit, you're going to get caught off balance very easily. It's easy for you to go in and wrap up your legs. And it allows you to kind of lean back a little bit. But in order to do that, you need phenomenal reaction time. Like we see that from Israel Adesanya, and that concerns me. The difference is Israel Adesanya still has very quick reaction time and excellent eyes, whereas Masvidal is getting hit by Colby Covington, who's, again, made improvements in his striking, but he's not known as a striker. Sure. Uh, and, and that's what concerns me for Jorge moving forward is still has a tremendous amount of experience and skill and intelligence as a fighter, but um, his reaction time isn't what it used to be. And when you yeah. relied on that for a long time, uh, th- that's concerning. I think that's fair. And we talked a little bit with George in the fighter meeting about how long he's going to stick around. And he just feels like the reviews in training are very favorable right now. And he feels like he can still compete at the highest level. But I do think that's a good read by you. And I I do think that, you know, maybe this fight will crystallize some things for him. But uh, more on what is in the immediate future for Jorge Masvidal. Certainly there are some... uh, some big paychecks in his future that he is going to realize. Um, but on the fight as a whole, it was the fight of the night, and maybe it wasn't the fight of the night for me, but I just don't understand some of the lack of appreciation for the grappling and the wrestling. And maybe I should, because there was a time in my life when I was a boxing journalist where I wasn't talking shit about MMA necessarily, but I didn't have an appreciation for it. Now I just yeah. really enjoy it. I don't want them to separate them from the fence even, right? And... I don't know. People who didn't appreciate this main event, like I'm not sure what to tell you at this point, except to maybe just go watch kickboxing, you know? (laughs) Yeah, listen, and and, and again, it's like you got to know who these fighters are. You got to know what Colby's strengths are. You you have to have a certain amount of education about them and what they do well. And I think, you know, they saw all the venom being spit back and forth between these fighters and they expected them to just, you know, stand in the middle of the octagon and just start trading. That's not what a tactical fight is all about. These guys, um, you know, talk a lot of trash. Um, They do not like each other, but they're also very smart fighters. And they're not going to just take any approach or just fight to satisfy the crowd. That that is not the sign of an intelligent fighter, in my opinion. So, yeah, you know, getting appreciation for grappling, um, it's very different. And... You know, you have to have an appreciation for what these guys are doing as far as control and how they utilize the floor to their advantage and how they eat up that space right. to take that away from the other opponent. You know, both guys, it's just like a war. You're, it, it's it's a it's a battle for resources, and that has to do with space and the floor. And I thought Colby uh, did a great job of controlling that action uh, and uh, getting Jorge to carry his weight. It was it was an efficient and effective performance. And I'm not saying Colby is Khabib Nurmagomedov on the ground, but it, it's very nuanced down there. Just watching him move his feet, the subtleties to his control game is pretty impressive. There was just a lot of action right in front of the broadcast booth, and I came away very impressed with Colby Covington. So Dana White said at the post-fight press conference, you know, that Colby deserves pound-for-pound pound consideration, and that's probably overdue. And I would submit to you that he has wins over three former UFC champions, Tyron Woodley, Rafael Dos Anjos, and Robbie Lawler. Granted, when he fought Tyron Woodley, maybe you could argue that he was a shell of himself, but that is neither here nor there. He fought a prime RDA for a belt and won a belt, right? But listen to this, flow. Hmm. These are the guys in the welterweight top 15 that Colby Covington has not faced. 
And it's basically fucking all of them, right? Because obviously Lawler, Woodley, and RDA, just to name a few, are no longer there. Kamar yep. Usman's the champion, right? But other than Masvidal, bro, he hasn't fought any of these guys. Now, he's calling out Dustin Poirier. I don't think Poirier is going to have an appetite for that fight. But listen to all these fucking names that Colby has not fought in the welterweight top 10. And as I'm going through the list, top 15, think about some of these matchups and how stylistically not that easy some of them would be. Gilbert Burns, Leon Edwards, Vicente Luque, Bilal Muhammad. You think he's controlling Bilal on the ground like this? You know, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, Neil Magny, Sean Brady, um, Michael Chiesa, Hamzat Shimaev, and then it goes on from there. Jeff Neal, Lee Jing Leung, Santiago Ponzinibbio, and Shavkat Rachmanov. Like, there are so many compelling matchups for Colby Covington at 170 pounds. I mean, I've been saying for two years my dream fight in any division is Covington versus Kamzat Shimaev, you know. But a Covington-Burns fight, I think, is compelling slash competitive. Um, Bilal Muhammad, of course. Luke, I mean, right? Like, I, I understand we're, we're today we're putting Colby Covington on a pedestal that I think yeah. he belongs on. But correct me if I'm wrong. Th- those aren't cupcake fights, any of those, really. I, I agree with you, and I think a lot of it has to do with, and I can't believe I'm saying this, the brilliance of Colby Covington yeah, to yeah. skip over a lot of those guys because, you know, he really has been like a sniper. And, and again, this is the value of knowing who you want to fight and maximizing the use of the microphone, right? And I know that for guys who are, you know, strictly focused on going to fight and I'm going to train, that's my main thing. That's fine, but don't complain about not making a whole lot of money in this game. Colby always has an agenda. He knew exactly he wanted to call out now. And that's why he skipped over all these guys because he's been calling out these guys in every interview he, he that he gets, he calls out whoever's at the top of the food chain. You know, wh- why would I why would I go through these guys if I can skip the yeah. line and go right to the top of the food chain? And he's doing that with his with his mic skills. You hate him or love him, whatever it is. It, it's it's been a brilliant approach for him. Uh so yeah, but I do agree. The other good side of it is that there are a ton of fights that the UFC can make with Colby Covington here. You know, especially maybe those guys that are out of ATT, you can keep kind of pushing that rivalry. Yeah, right. You know, you have the good the good guy, the perfect boy, uh, wonder boy uh, out there that you can make a, a fight with. You know, uh, Gilbert Burst. I mean, whatever it is, Colby's going to find a way uh, to, to create, you know, uh, some kind of rivalry with all those guys. So uh, I'm interested to see how he approaches his next few fights. I mean, certainly he's not fighting Sean Brady, nor Michael Chiesa, nor Jeff Neal. And I say that with all due respect, right? Yeah. But if Leon Edwards is going to get the next championship opportunity, a month from now, Gilbert Burns and Kamzat Shimaev are going to settle their business. And then I mm-hmm. think the winner or the loser, I think, could make sense for Covington. Certainly the winner. Um, but again, he ain't fucking calling out Kamzat Shimaev, right? No. Right. No. <laughs> I mean, really? again, from what based on what I've seen and, and uh, you know, his pedigree and all that stuff. Uh, and there's been some great video on Hamzat re- uh, recently with Darren Till and they've been you know promoting him a lot more, which I think is really smart. Uh, this is a guy that can wrestle, man. Uh, you know, I, I don't think there's a better wrestler in that division. So why would you ever face a guy who does things better than you do? Like, I think he's got better submissions than Colby and I think he's got yes. better wrestling than Colby. He's fucking bigger than Colby that's for sure so I mean that that's a nightmare matchup for Terrible. anybody in that division and again he's not even you know ranked in the top five so like right Gee. he's number 11 but yeah that could yeah. change Gilbert yeah. Burns figures to have a whole lot to say about that but uh yeah I mean 
Jorge Masvidal hasn't been submitted since that Toby Imada reverse inverted triangle choke or whatever you guys mm-hmm. like to call it. I was there, mm-hmm. but I don't know the technical term for it. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you don't, you don't think Hamza Chimaya physically, if the fight plays out last night over 25 minutes, finds a way to crank that neck fully or to get underneath the fucking shin with all due respect, you know? Um, he tosses Alir Latifi on his head in training, you know? Mm-hmm. And Colby mm-hmm. Covington could make 60. So, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. We'll get to Jalen Turner speaking of size in a little bit here. But uh, in terms of Masvidal's future, you highlighted sort of some of the things that didn't go particularly well. Can you imagine, though, if he was able to follow up that shot in the fourth round and how much the narrative just spins? Um, But a lot of noise about a fight between him and Conor McGregor. Dana has been dismissive of that fight previously Mm. because of what he perceives to be a size discrepancy. Uh, Do you believe that? Masvidal and McGregor um, is the fight to make maybe November New York City. Gosh, that would be an awesome fight. I, I think that'd be really interesting. Again, these are two of the biggest names in the sport right now. I mean, who's bringing in more pay-per-view buys uh, than these guys right now? Not not many. Um, yeah. So I, I think that would be a fascinating fight. Perhaps they make it at a catch weight uh, if there's um, two fighters that would be deserving of a catch weight. Um, it would be those guys. Why not? And we wish a good early Sunday afternoon to Raymond <laughs> Lago, who's wearing a UFC Venom fight kit. How you doing, my yeah, man? Yeah, man. How's it going? Man, you're working your ass off last night. Oh, and I hit the that's red crazy. eye, and here we are. You know? Wow. Yeah, you could still get – that's crazy, man. Great night last night, no? Yeah, it was a great night, and it's good to see you, uh, and thanks for squeezing us in. So we were just talking about Colby Covington and Jorge Masvidal. I guess we'll uh, – We'll circle back a little bit. I just want to get your thoughts overall on the week that was. I mean, I was so gassed by the time I got to the goddamn arena. Um, but your thoughts on fight week and ultimately the main event between these two rivals? Well, I'll tell you, I, I was in agreement with whoever said I wanted I, the bet should be will they shake hands after the fight? That's what I was more curious. <laughs> I was more curious in that. Rogan and Mike. Yeah, Rogan yeah, and Mike. Because yeah. we knew in the in the fighter meetings they were both so adamant that wow. that would never fucking happen that uh, I was sort of bemoaning the fact that Rogan only put $20 up, which to him is probably <laughs> like a, a penny, a little copper penny. Oh, uh, that's below a copper penny. <laughs> um, yeah, no, man, that's that's got to be a bitter pill to swallow if that shit is dead serious, you know? So I guess it is. And uh, just Covington, man, just even the willingness to trade hands with him and He's just, he's very talented. I think that really put an exclamation point on, you know, I think everybody said what was the right thing to say. If it wasn't for Usman, he'd be the champion. Right. He's definitely the number one guy. Um, uh, yeah, just thought it was, uh, I think we all picked Covington to win. So, I mean, I wouldn't have surprised me if, if Masvidal did win, but he did do exactly what I think we thought the the path to victory would be. He was just going to use his wrestling to control where the fight was, but his willingness to exchange hands and outstrike Masvidal was, that was a little surprising. Um, And he ate that punch, man, that I'm saying nine, nine out of 10 guys are on the floor. Can he he twisted his head and whiplash everything you want from a punch. And that guy basically, just his knee barely hit the ground and he was up and refocused and he's dangerous, man. He's he's hard to put away and he's relentless and he's got a great gas tank and, uh, you know, he's just, he looked great. 
No, I mean, you set it up beautifully. And, uh, you know, I oftentimes talk about my time covering Floyd Mayweather, that even when he would get off to slow starts against Sugar Shane Mosley, even Conor McGregor, like by and large, never really had a bad training camp and never was flat on fight night. Like you look at what Usman and Covington have done. The consistency is just remarkable. We were talking, though, Ray, about the welterweight top 15 and the fact that at least as it stands right now, Covington has fought like none of these guys. You know, like he's fought Usman, he's fought Masvidal, but he's fought none of the welterweight top 10. So I'm putting him on a pedestal. I think he's one. Of, I looked at the, the pound for pound list Whoa. today. I think Covington's one of the top 10 pound, pound for pound fighters in the sport, but there's a million tough matchups for him at 70 that he hasn't faced. Right. Uh, he, he fought, I mean, but he, he beat Dos Anjos, right? Right. He so did. we're talking about the current guys. So he oh, has current guy. All right. over Dos Anjos, Robbie Lawler, Tyron Woodley, three former UFC champions. Right. Yeah, that, but, that counts for something. No doubt. I think yeah. he's a Hall of Famer. I, I was saying on the post fight show, Kenny, like, can you imagine if Covington's a Hall of Famer? Like, and he walks to the podium like, what's that going to be like? You know? <laughs> I can tell you what it's going to be like. He's going to have his mag- Magna hat on. Is that what they call it? The Trump hat? Oh, Magna. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Whatever. He's going to get up there and he's going to do his spiel like he always does. That's do you but, do you find it interesting, Ray? And by the way, I got to see Marab in Vegas. Uh, oh, nice. He wasn't ex- as excited to see me as I was to see him, but that's okay. Uh, I, uh, I, I actually find that hard to believe. That's okay. He was busy. I think there was maybe a woman alongside. I don't know. Uh, anyway, if that, was, if that was the case, you don't stand a chance. That's right, the only, right. that's the only you... thing that could ruin him right now. Yeah. That's it, period. <laughs> uh, if you're telling me that, then, yeah, he wasn't excited to see you. Every uh, fighter's kryptonite. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, right. I mean, <laughs> well, let's just say he might have been happy to see you, but his cock wasn't. <laughs> yeah, right. that, that, was, that wasn't yep. happening. Yep, that's right. Yeah. He's like, hi, John. What... Oh, great Eat translation. It. Yeah. But yeah. don't you find it interesting, Ray? Do you not find it interesting that Colby Covington hasn't faced Gilbert Burns, Leon Edwards, Vicente Luque, Bilal Muhammad, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, Magni, Sean Brady, Hamzat Shimaev, Jeff Neal? Like, I just don't think any of those names are a walkover for Covington. I think he'd be favored against everyone except Shimaev, but I don't think any of those fights are walkovers. No. Well, listen, uh... I don't think any fight in the UFC at a certain level is a walkover. Right. I mean, that's the beauty of the sport. But um, maybe I'm making too much of this. I, right? I, but, maybe, maybe a little bit too much. Because I mean, he's facing some... that he is like he's the second best welterweight in the world, right. and I think we're all in agreement. But it's like this came across my wake this morning. I'm like, Jesus, man! Like his wins list is not bad. It's great. He has three UFC champions on it, but he hasn't fought yeah. anybody who's relevant at 170 pounds right now. Right. So, and you're kind of making the case that even the guys at 170 at the time he fought him, maybe they were on the downslide. So, with and even if I wasn't making that case, you're I still making just a case of the. Other I love guys. the Poirier fight. Like I think it's intriguing, but Dustin, you know, tweets maybe fight a welterweight contender, which sort of led me to this oh, I conversation got, yeah, that yeah. he hasn't fought a lot of these guys now. I, I understand, you know, Ken Flo talking about just plucking off one ATT fighter at a time. Uh, but I don't think Poirier has the appetite for the fight and all the preamble that gold goes with fighting Colby. I just don't think Poirier, given what his bank statement, I don't think he wants to deal with it. You know, yeah, even if he thinks he might be able to beat him. I don't think it's a good fight for me anyway. You have to watch right, the I other agree. fight. You know what I, I mean? Agree. That's the other thing he's going to. I would think it's the same thing, uh, maybe worse. But um all right. I know I your know. time is short today. Well, you got a private coming up 1 p.m. Eastern or, or what? I got, no, I got a, <laughs> what? I, I screwed everything up today. I, I'm just, okay. <laughs> I just don't booking people. I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. That's all right. 
But uh, wait, show, I'll tell you, the one big surprise to not a bit. I mean, I'm sure it wasn't a surprise to you guys. The way that I first off hats off to Bryce Mitchell, the way he just manhandled Barboza. I I just I really didn't see that coming. I thought it would be harder, even if we knew what he was going to try to do. But man, he he impressed his shit out of me. And again, Barboza is getting older, I guess. But damn, that was a great performance by. Uh, by Bryce and I guess man he's got the power of belief behind him he's got technique he's you know he doesn't look the part necessarily but man yeah. he that what a performance Kenny right that was crazy very impressive I mean very the impressive. fact that uh, my, I mean Barboza not even really making an attempt to get off his back at this stage of the game I think is that, that's what was it for me too it, yeah you know, Bar unacceptable. Barbosa definitely made a lot of mistakes and you know he, he's been at this a long time and without a doubt it was the same yeah. thing you know what the blueprint is out on you without a you, doubt you know what they're going to try to do you know what your strengths are and i thought he was a he was spazzing out a little bit too much on the feet he was a little nervous didn't wasn't patient wasn't methodical out there uh and it just seemed hectic and chaotic for him and then on the ground there was no real attempt i mean it's like you you had all these years, all these fights to go no, back I, and look I at agree that you made you. mistakes on, and you're you're the same guy. That was that was unfortunate. I felt bad for him there. Yeah, yeah. I, I so I'm I'm with you 100 percent on that. And and again, he, he just I guess he just he just doesn't deal with forward pressure, man. He just that's his Achilles heel. He doesn't. He's just not comfortable fighting backwards or fighting off his back leg or whatever it is. I just. I, I, I hats off to Bryce though, man, because I really thought that was going to be way tougher, and he made that shit look easy. I'd yeah. imagine uh, you know Bryce trained with Aljo in Vegas a little bit during this training camp. Did you know that? Oh, well, I, I know you said it, so I knew it like that. Oh, I, you, oh, uh, I didn't you know, know if you muted the broadcast like Cruz, you know, <laughs> like who does Dominic. <laughs> <laughs> yes. right? That's not that's not a surprise at all, but. Uh, <laughs> No, he's been here. He was here probably about five years ago, six years ago, yeah. and definitely was scrappy and tough. But he's really, he's really made a change, man. He 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 looked great, but really great. Kenny Bryce Mitchell is six and zero in the UFC. Five decision wins in terms of his ceiling. I mean, when you start to invoke the likes of Max Holloway and Alexander Volkanovsky, it. It feels like a lot right now, but he's only 27. But when you look at the rankings, it's guys like Iga Chikadze and Calvin Cater potentially that might be uh, in his wake. What are your thoughts on Mitchell in terms of where he's at now relative to the future? Uh, I was really impressed with his performance. You know, uh, he was facing a guy in Barbosa who obviously very physically gifted. He's lightning fast. Uh, and he found a way to be very effective. Um, he's tough as nails. I, I see an improvement in how he sets up his takedowns. He does not necessarily come from this crazy wrestling background, yet his timing on his takedowns I thought were phenomenal. Absolutely his head beautiful. positioning, his control, he made it a lot easier, and he just beat up Barbosa. I mean, he just he just clowned him, uh, and every moment that he had, he was taking advantage of all of the mistakes for the most part. Um, the only thing, if I'm going to uh, you know criticize something, is I don't know, may maybe I would like to see more setups to submissions, but his position was doing all the work for him anyway. It was his positioning that was allowing, allowing him to pound him out. So yeah. um, I, I, I was uh, I was really impressed. This is a kid who can go very far in that division. Again, in a division that has been one of the toughest in the UFC over the last few years. So um, just a, a wealth of talent there. So Bryce is, is well on his way, man. Uh, he was very focused. 
continues to improve. And uh, yeah, nice. I, I'll tell you, I mean, I, I, I 100% agree. I mean, timing and awareness to both of those on the takedowns because man, he just made that look easy. Because, you know, Kenny, it's like if I throw a jab at you, like some people are going to pick that up the millisecond it starts. Some people are going to pick it up halfway in. Some people yes. never pick it up and they get just to, this guy. When he when he went just hands only and he threw that cross and he just made that look easy, man. He was he slipped that cross. So timing awareness was impeccable last night for that kid. I don't think he could do anything wrong. It was just one of those nights where. You know, you're just in the zone and everything you do goes right. But, man, he, he's a gamer consistently. Yeah, he's a he gamer. always he's, shows up. He's not always going away. Shows up. Yeah, at this point, I think it's safe to say he's never going away easy at this yeah. point. You're going to have to really put it on him. And I think that now that that was a for me, that was a, a, a great fight to see for him. So I'm sold on Bryce Mitchell for sure. I really would like to see you align with him, Kenny, because I think. There are spiritual components to him. I just think there's some mental alignment between you two, and obviously you know how I feel about your uh, ability to not just have a three or four stripes on your Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, but to put people the fuck away, you know? Like 6-0 in the UFC, five decision wins. You know, got to start putting some people away, Thug Nasty, but I love you. Um, I don't think Cater and Emmett are going to want to fight down in the ranking necessarily, but I did right here. I do think a main event makes sense for Bryce Mitchell next, potentially. Um, we'll see if uh, – I think his, his style for five rounds would be good as well. All right, Ray, before we let you go, we got about four minutes. Co-main event, Rafael Dos Anjos over Renato Moicano, and – I'd love to, you know, celebrate Dos Anjos, and I think he's a Hall of Famer, and we will. Um, but obviously, much is made of of Moicano in defeat, all the heart that he exuded, and and the fact that he was able to survive those twenty five minutes. Yeah, what's the what's the question? <laughs> what are your thoughts? It's amazing to me how you know my analyst, right? Bisping always wants right. to know how I'm going to tee him up, and oftentimes I tee you guys up open endedly, so you can take it wherever the fuck you want. But if you'd like a a hard hitting journalistic question then i can do that too well i'm assuming you're talking about should it have been stopped did you want that that aspect of it or i i didn't necessarily want to lead what's the term like lead a fucking uh, horse to water or whatever it is <laughs> you know um but no i guess i'm just curious overall your thoughts on on how mark goddard handled that situation and how the corner and everybody else handled the situation uh... Man, that that shit gets really tricky to me. I'm I'm look, I'm fine if we want to make that a you know, like a new thing where the the ref can come in and talk to the doc, say, look, he, I don't think he's gonna win. Why let him take the damage? I think that'll open up a can of worms that might not be good. But right. I, I'll tell you one thing I, I definitely didn't agree with. I think you guys were saying that he came out and he didn't want to hurt Mo, Mo, uh, Moicano. I de- I if anything he didn't want to get hurt himself. Himself. That that's different. You know what I mean? But right. to, to think that he didn't want to hurt McConnell, he took some big shots, and he's a complete idiot because he took shots right. that he shouldn't have. Right. You know, he could have gotten yeah, out of there. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? So it's not. He might have said, "Listen, let me. I made it this far. I definitely won. Let me just go out there, see if I could coast, and you know, my hands feel good, everything feels good. I get out of here five rounds unscathed. That's different, you know. And he still took some big shots." for that effort, you know? So, uh, and that was the tricky thing. God, it did say, you know, I'll give you 30 seconds to turn it around. He was game in the fifth round. So, you know, I think the visual maybe was worse than what was happening, but you got to give it up to the guy, man, the heart of a, a heart of a lion. And he just, uh, 
you know, he went for it even in the fifth round. He didn't want to acquiesce to anything. So sometimes you do got to save people from themselves. I get it. But I'm not sure if that was the case. But look, anytime it's fighter safety involved, I'm all for it. You know what I mean? So I'm not arguing for it. But I think we're used to seeing one thing and then we're trying to change it now. I'm, I'm good with that, too. As long as the fight is safe, safety is the first thing that's the concern. I'm, I'm all for it. And again, there is it, it wasn't about like the chances of him. You always have a chance, though. We could probably go back to 20 fights and do the same thing with a guy won. You know what I mean? So I think that's where it gets tricky. But I didn't think he had a chance of winning that fight. And, you know, why see the guy go through that damage? Uh you know, would have been more psychological psychological damage if they stopped it for that reason because they thought the guy was just he sucks and he's not going to win. And at this point, he's you know, I don't know that could have a, an effect on him too. The guy wants to go out on his shield. Um, you know, I'm sure he's going to be all right at the end of the day. But I'm yeah. I'm, for, I'm for fighter safety. I don't know. It was a little little weird, but the fact that he came back like that in the fifth round, um, yeah. The, the, the there's two fights that come to mind. One. Uh, was a kid from Colorado that just got the shit beat out of him. That was his only fight. I can't think of the guy's name. And we just saw a fight with uh, Sean O'Malley and the other kid from Boston. Chris that Moutinho. Was, yeah. You know, all right, the guy came in, he saved the day. Let's get out of here, let him fight another day. Yeah. You know what I mean? These guys are coming in on short notice too. So yeah, I don't think there's any honor lost in stopping the fight early. I'm going to get Kenny's thoughts on the other side because I know you got to go, but we appreciate. No, we're good. We're good. Yo, you're okay. So, yeah. Kenny, yeah, a ton to unpack there. You yeah, know? It, it, that's yeah. a tough one. You know, it, it is. It is. You know, I, I was unsure about it as well as I was watching. I was like, this is not changing here. You know, and again, after you've been concussed and you've been hit with a big shot like that, every shot matters after that. Right. So anyways, but. I think, and I'm willing to admit when I'm wrong, I, I do think Mark Goddard made the right call here, actually, because of the way it went down in that fifth round. Uh, Moicano continued to fight hard. He gave him that 30 seconds, like, hey, if RDA goes in there and starts to smash him up, I'm going to stop this fight immediately. There was one point in the, like early in the fifth round where he started getting a little close, but he backed up. Moicano started responding, started landing a lot of shots. And if I'm RDA, I'm surprised that he didn't go forward to just try to like put the pressure on him, start pounding him out, and just like right. this fight over. Yeah. But um, yeah, again, a huge credit to Moicano. I, I think he learned a lot about himself. Now, this is the trade-off. You went further, you, you proved to yourself what kind of balls you have, all that stuff. What how is that going to affect him long term? I don't know. Did that take right. a few years off of his fighting right. career? Who knows? I don't know. Nobody knows. But he did take some damage there. Um, so a, a huge moral victory. But from the way things were heading, it didn't seem like anything was changing. But um, he fought hard in that fifth round, man. He was trying to finish RDA. Yeah. Oh, without and it a wasn't doubt. the other way around. Oh, without a doubt. And, I, and I, I, Kenny brings up a great point, too, is that once you're concussed, that second impact syndrome, I think they call it, is way worse. So... Look, man, as I'm getting old, I'm, I'm all for everybody being as healthy as they could be to live a long life. So I hats off to God for even maybe even, you know, making the first attempt to say yeah. we got to start getting proactive on saving these guys. So, yeah, then it's a it's a good deal because, you know, you got to remember, I, I go way back in the sport where, you know, things definitely changed. And, you know, back in the day, man, you get knocked knocked out in a boxing ring, right, just in a day of training. 
you were back in there the next day. That that's yeah. their, that was their way of testing you. So right. true. You, we have to. I think people don't get even with with worldly stuff. Like when you're from a certain era, man, you got to give guys a chance to adjust to what's going on, the new stuff that's coming on, because it's really not fair that you grow up one way and then all of a sudden on, right. on a dime you're just changing everything. You know, but education. Awareness is always important. And, you know, I, I'm sure that's a fight. Like if I look at and we keep talking about, I'll be more on board with God than the other way around. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because like, again, the my initial thing is you got to let a guy go out on his shield. And I don't know if that was as bad as that, that like when that kid was getting beat up by O'Malley. Uh, right. You know, I'm not sure right. about that. And there was right. another fight where the guy was just, he came in last and just outclassed and got, tortured i gotta go back and find out what fight that was but those are fights where you could look at from the first round and go nothing's changing you know what i mean so you got to really be careful moicano has gotten guys out of there so that's the other problem his corner knows that he could change the fight around with a couple of punches so they want to offer him that opportunity but you know in doing so do you kill the guy i mean it's this game is brutal i mean you know we're we're talking about things that there's nothing in this sport that's good for anything longevity-wise. Nothing. Right. right. The making a soccer ball isn't supposed to be good. Yeah, right. One hundred percent. You know, like you know, frying your internal organs to make one fifty-five. That's not helping you in the future. You keep doing that. Somebody told me that's a clear way to diabetes in the future. You know what I mean? It's yeah. It, I, this there's nothing good. So right. well, and I am very close with Pahumpa, uh, as you guys know, Moicano's head yeah. coach, and. He's as nice a guy as there is in the sport. I don't think he thought for a second about after everything that Hanato went through and how good his cut yeah. and recovery was. And he didn't go home and eat cheeseburgers and drink alcohol yet. Like he yeah. was ready to go, even though they didn't love the five round component. Right. Like that was the only thing Pahupa was concerned with was that it was 25 minutes. And, and, that, and it probably should not have been. You and know? that's a great point, too. If that's a three round fight, it's a it's a good fight. You know, he got beat up a little bit. He's out of there. You know, that that. Why would you do that to the guy? That's another great point. The guy's yeah. coming in at last minute, just saved the fight, three rounds. Yeah. You're asking a lot out of a guy that just fought, man. So right. You told that, me you had to leave. Are you, yeah. are you still good? Tell me when you have to go. I got five minutes. All right, five minutes. All right. So, yes, and just putting a bow on that, I thought it was a fucking master class from Mark Goddard, right? Like yes. the way he handled the ringside position, right? Because the thing is, Moicano passed both of the vision tests. And even the second one, like you could see, he could see out of the eye. So the doctor wasn't going to intervene. The corner wasn't going to intervene. And I just thought Goddard handled the situation beautifully. And thankfully, Colby Covington doesn't want Goddard refing his fights. So we got Mark Goddard in the co-main event, and it all worked out. Nice. Real quickly on Dos Anjos, Ray. You know, it's tricky with the Hall of Fame, right? There's guys like Jim Miller that are going to get in based on longevity. But how is Rafael Dos Anjos not a Hall of Famer, right? 20 UFC wins, top 10 in UFC wins all time. He's won the belt that he defended. I believe he did. Like, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it should be an afterthought that he's in the Hall of Fame. But if you think about... One guy going into the modern era for the next 10 years with Daniel Cormier and all the high-profile guys, you know, Habib barely retired. He's already in. Like, it's hard to think of a time in the next five, seven, eight years where they build a Hall of Fame class around Rafael Dos Anjos. But for me, Ray Kenny, he's a Hall of Fame. No, he's definitely a Hall of Famer. But, like, again, when you start mentioning D.C., he's not as much of a Hall of Famer as D.C. is. You right. know what I mean? So they'd have to do, like, baseball where you get – maybe a couple of guys every year and throw them in there. That's what 
That, I think yeah. that's what he needs because if you go individually, right. I don't think he's going to hold up as much as uh, some of the other guys. Right, and you know a prime Ken Flo beats a prime RDA, so how do you handle that, right, as a voter? Uh, hey, you know, they need to consider that. They, hey, John, all, John yeah. all that matters is in, that Ken Flo's in our Hall of Fame. That's all <laughs> Exactly. That him, right, he doesn't. I mean, that, for the people well, that really count, do you think he cares? Yeah, like the, the Ken Flo that lost – uh, they should just take that out and then just count all my wins, and then the prime Ken Flo makes it into the Hall of Fame. That's funny. Fame. Yeah. yeah, it is interesting though what Kenny says about the start of the fifth round, right? Because Dos Anjos is watching this all play out, and he knows Moicano has not been in camp. Yes, he had a win a few weeks ago, but he was chilling, right? He didn't yeah. blow up, but he wasn't training, and. I talk about Kenny's killer instinct a lot on this show, and he hates when I make the focus him, right? But you sort of can read into his comments like, Kenny is literally trying to kill that dude. Brown. <laughs> ah, because, no, a lot is made of this, like, RDA fighting philanthropy or fighting yeah, philanthropy. Well, but, well and, you guys yeah. made that, though, you know. Well, I, I don't think I was the first to suggest it, but it did seem like he was holding yeah. back a little bit. I'd have to listen to the audio. Yeah, I, I hope you have a line with you that he wasn't I, exercising philanthropy as much as, much as he was mitigating risk. I, I think that, that, to me, that makes more sense. I don't know. You never, you know what I mean? And and you got to remember, going into that fifth round, he, in his head, easily could have thought, I'm going to go through this round easy. He didn't anticipate, you know, you know, God had kind of lit a fire under his ass. You got 30 seconds to turn right. this around. Right. So he's literally instigating the guy to uh, to pick it up. And I think when you're um, Dos Anjos and you're looking across, your, your corner's probably telling you they're going to stop the fight. They're not going to let the guy fight. Then all of a sudden, so right. You, right. it could be like an adrenaline dump a little bit. Okay, I think the fight's yeah. over. Then I'm going back in there. Let me get out of here. Yeah. And the next thing you know, the guy's coming forward. He's hitting you with three-punch combinations, and you're like, you got to be fucking kidding me. I got to start fighting yeah. again. You know, I don't yeah. know. That's the way I look at it. All right. So who do you have coming up at 1 p.m. Eastern? Oh, I have uh, Doug Green. All right. Doug you know, Mo Green, Green from uh, Vegas. It's his uh, nephew. Doug you're talking Green. The, you're talking the crochet boss, Maurice? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mo Green. Really? The guy Mo Green from uh, The Godfather. Yeah. The guy that got his eyeballs oh. shot out. Oh, <laughs> yeah. My favorite movie. I wasn't going to. Uh, it's a classic. Classic. So there was uh, a time last night, Marina Rodriguez landed a punch to the chest of Jan Shaunan. And I had the moment to say, how about that? It looked like Rodriguez was trying to punch a <laughs> hole in her chest, but uh, I lost the real estate and then uh, 40 seconds expired and I couldn't circle back, but you oh, were in my man. thoughts. Ah, that would have yeah. been so big for the show. <laughs> uh, but hopefully uh, <laughs> you didn't get too sensitive with my Instagram video. I do think you have been a little bit ornery with me of late. Uh, uh, we changed but... it today, though. I, I came in with a new. Yeah, attitude. you did. No, right. I love you guys. I mean, right. Well, Ray, we love you. you need to trademark that, by the way. Yeah, people. Are, yeah, I, Ooh, I actually like do. like it's time. I think Cody. Ah, already, get I, think ready to Co I think Cody already did it for himself, but I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> we own it now. Yeah, wait, first yeah. of all, wait. Two things that I'm out of here. The, the girl fight was crazy. That Rodriguez fight was very yeah. close. Yeah. Uh, what a what a great matchup that was, and uh, the girl from the Ukraine, you had a your heart had to go out to her, no? Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, Maria Morose, phenomenal, just the sentiment and just you felt the pain. I mean, it's hard not to start crying when you hear these people just begging for their lives and for help and stuff. So 
shout out to her, man. Great job under shitty circumstances. Yeah. And right. I think that goes to show you how tough those Ukrainians are. And then having an opponent, of course, who's motherfucking you every step of the way. Yeah, with exactly. the backdrop of everything going on in your country. Yeah. Horrible, yeah. horrible. Gotta feel good for Marina Morose. All right, all right, man. Get on out of all here. Right, listen, Appreciate man, you again. I want to tell everybody I love you guys. I don't. There's no animosity. That's nothing. Good. Oh That's wait, good. wait. Before That's... I forget, too, the terror was very upset. Sarah was upset. I used the word fabricated. I was trying to say that. He didn't live with yous, you know what I mean? And then your friends, and then you go like that. Right. I, I used the wrong word, but he, he hates them. He wanted everybody to know yeah. there's no yeah. fabrication in that. <laughs> right. You know, he's no, that's a good example. And, yeah. and you know, Tito I just thought it was different and... when you're living with a guy and your friends, and then something happens. That yeah. shit cuts deep, man, which you were seeing did cut deep. Yeah. But um, all right, I'm out of here on that. All note. right, buddy. Matt, right, take it easy, one. guys. Have a good have a good I'll one, Rick. Bye. The Red Longo met it every week here on the Anakin Florian podcast. And you can still see that Covington and Masvidal, like they do like each other a little bit. It's funny, like they, they because <laughs> you can see why they bonded, right? Because they're both sort of strong willed. And I don't know, it's it wasn't easy. It was not hard to see why they became two peas in a pot. But um, all right. Longo taking some blame. The Minutemen in the comments, maybe that'll fucking touch y'all up as he's banging all <laughs> over the goddamn radio clock today. We treat this like a radio show. You got to show up on your schedule. Um, all right, we have about nine more minutes before we get to Brian Petrie, so I'm going to rifle through as much of this UFC 272 stuff as I can get to that we have not touched on already. Uh, Kevin Holland over Alex Cowboy Oliveira. You know, I think anytime you can win a fight in which you lose a round and it looks like maybe things are slipping away, there's even more value in that win. So I thought this was a, a great welterweight debut for Kevin Holland. I believe he was bonused as well. He was. Um, what are your thoughts on the Trailblazer at 170 pounds? Yeah, it was good. I, I think it was a good fight also in the fact that he had to deal with some adversity, had to battle back, made the proper adjustments after that first round uh, and did a great job. My uh, feed was all messed up. The ESPN was having problems with their app, so I actually missed the dang finish uh, while it was happening in, in, in round two. But anyways, I was happy to see him get that win. Um, I think he's going to do some serious damage in the welterweight division. Uh, he looked confident. He looked good. Uh, so that, that was good. That was good to see for sure. Kevin Holland. Some of our listeners were chiming in about his durability and maybe some concerns because he was touched in this fight. So I do think that bears watching, you know, because he spars a ton and he has been hittable at times, but I, I do think he's an intriguing injection of talent into what I believe is the best weight class for him. So we'll see the, how the worst it. thing he could have done was underestimate someone like cowboy. Cause he's always dangerous. That, yeah. that dude is game. Yeah. And especially with his backup against the wall, he's been very sharp when he's yes. coming off a, a losing streak. You know, this was his second three-fight losing streak for Cowboy Oliveira in the UFC. Responded with two wins after the first time, and now it's four in a row, I think, for Cowboy. But um, I don't know. I thought Oliveira, he beat a good Oliveira. He beat a motivated, um, yep. performing Alex Oliveira. Um, did you see the main card opener, Sergey Spivak, over Greg Hardy? Uh, I did. Uh, I I saw the very end of it. Um, again, had issues with my feed, but yeah. So sometimes there are more storylines on the loser than the winner. Whether it's RDA against Moicano or other fights, we could point to. Um, but I want to talk about Sergey Spivak at least for twenty seconds, right? Like. He worked so hard for six months to put himself in position against really any heavyweight, right? There were a lot of different matchups, um, but he's bounced around a lot looking for the best training. And mm -hmm. 
that speaks volumes to me. You know, he went to AKA, you know, everybody thinks with Bryce Mitchell, it's all country training in Arkansas, but you know, went to Chris Brennan's gym in Texas, went to Vegas with Aljo. Just doesn't yep. need everybody knowing about it, but Spivak now aligning with Eric Nixick at extreme couture, just manhandling a 300 pound man. Like Greg Hardy was 305 pounds probably on fight night. Um, but Hardy, man, like, just given the athletic gifts, given some of the early knockouts we saw against Austin Lane on Dana White's contender series, and just given the fact that he perpetually refers to himself as one of the most savage athletes on the planet, um, he has underachieved in the UFC. And maybe that's not fair of me to say because he only turned pro in 2018 and he had nothing really resembling a martial arts background. But to me, it's like you got to get ahead of the weight cut. You can't show up 291, 295 pounds and expect to have anything left in minute 12. And in this fight, obviously, he was disposed of in two minutes. I don't know if the UFC is going to get rid of him. This was the last fight on his contract, but mm. I don't know. I, you know, he talks a good game in terms of loving the sport and everything that goes into it. Um, I don't necessarily, you know, take him at his every word given recent performances. Uh, you you can love the sport. Do, do you love working on all the things that you're terrible at? That, that right. That's the question, right? right? And I think, um, you know, mentorship goes a long way. Uh, I think your ability uh, to be curious and want to work on all of your weaknesses goes a long way. Uh, and I also think, you know, your mental toughness is another thing. It's easy if you're beating the hell out of everybody. It's easy if you're knocking everybody out, if you're the one who's the hammer all the time. It's quite another thing if you have the ability to battle back when you're good, when you're getting hammered, when you are the nail. Uh, and I haven't quite seen that from Hardy. Like when he starts getting yeah. taking a beating, yeah. he doesn't respond that well. Right. He'll try right. a little bit, but he usually kind of uh, yeah. you know submits right. mentally. So yeah, I, I haven't seen the development as much as I would have liked. And again, it, it speaks to the difficulty of mixed martial arts. It's much more than just the physical. There's the mental, there's the technical, there's yeah. the strategic and tactical aspect. Uh, so much to it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there have been some fighters, you know, Frank Mir, whom I love, comes to mind, even Chael Sonnen. When the, the tide starts to turn, it seems like maybe they're looking for a way out and they they recognize they, they don't believe they're going to win the fight and and. Yeah. There's a little bit of give up there, I say, with all due respect. And Colby Covington is on the total other end of that spectrum. Like as soon as he gets cracked, it's like the urgency. It's just it's just incredible. Um, Jalen Turner, six foot three inches, 155 pounds. Like, I, I guess that means I need to weigh like 141 <laughs> right? instead of 151 or whatever I weigh. I mean, man, I you know, it's like I just think he's been. He's been built well by the UFC, and he's just so composed and controlling his breathing in there and obviously has a lot of physical gifts, maybe more athletic gifts than uh, some people initially thought. Um, any thoughts on Jalen Turner and his future at 55? Uh, all you got to do is get on the inside. Just get on the inside of him. That's all you got to do. Yeah. Six foot three. Like, are you kidding me? Good luck. Good luck. Uh, you know, he did a great job of staying really composed. Uh, he, he There was never a point where he was freaking out. Even when he was getting hit with shots, Yeah, uh, he would make the right adjustments. A little concerned sometimes with his head position. He was, uh, you know, a little bit too tall at times where he can get hit. But again, he's a problem, man. Uh, I think he's got a ton of potential um and just his size is, is a problem but now when you add the fact that he's composed he's technical he loves learning the game he's intelligent in his approach um yeah good luck beating that guy 
Yeah, I think Turner's going to get a top 15 guy, but you got to get him to sign on the dotted line to fight a six foot three inch lightweight that has a lot of tools in striking and grappling. Uh, we also congratulate Marina Moroz, of course, over Maria Agapova. Umar Nurmagomedov looks like a real threat at Bantamweight, even though he competed at Featherweight. You got to be happy for Tim Elliott, you know. James Krause to beat Tagir Ulan Bekov, right? It with Khabib in the other corner. Yeah. Big ups to James Krause and, and Glory MMA and fitness. And uh, Tim Elliott cashes as a plus 190 dog. Danny Rubes got Ludovic Klein stepping up on short notice out of Slovakia to beat Devontae Smith. And uh, Dustin Jacoby with a big win to open the show. I did think Kennedy and Zechuk who beat Nikolai Negumedianu, but uh, I digress. All right, that puts a wrap on UFC 272. More coming up later this week with my twin bro and Bilal Muhammad uh, on Remember the Show. But now it is time for the pronunciation of the week. We asked Cody Mauer to get a haircut. He has obliged. What's up, my man? Well, everyone was trying to ask for odds on this. DK Sportsbook, better haircut, Mia Ray. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the dog. I'm like a plus 400. I'm coming in hot. It looks good, dude. In the teeth teeth department, you're minus 1,000, though, I think. Nice. Yeah. All right. (laughs) So when TJ DeSantis was the producer of this show, I'm going to hell, right? I, I, I definitely Mob have a better haircut than TJ. No offense. I mentioned, <laughs> I mentioned Mob Deep Hell on Earth on the broadcast, and, and nobody seemed to get it. <laughs> unbelievable. All right. So, but one thing about TJ that we could always guarantee, and I say this to you, Cody, with all due respect, your eyes look very white today, by the way. That's um, good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but TJ would never listen to the file first. And I sort of feel like if you get this one right, then it speaks to maybe you cheating. But I digress. Okay. This fighter, uh, making me second guess fighting. the way I'm going to say it. This fighter will be fighting on the main card against Carl Robertson coming up this weekend. Um, remember him leg kicking the hell out of Eric Anders back in the day. Who am I talking about? I believe you're talking about Khalil Roundtree. All right, let's hear him say it. Khalil Roundtree. Khalil Roundtree. Khalil, Khalil not Khalil. Yeah. That, that, see, because I knew that when he said, oh, you'd be cheating. I was like, yeah, it's so it's probably Khalil because everyone oh, says right. it Khalil. Right. I was like, yeah, yeah, it's probably Khalil. You know, like, I don't know, like Lil Khalil. Yeah. His, he's, Khalil <laughs> he's Khalil Roundtree Jr., right? So his son is Lil Khalil. The third. Lil, Lil Wayne. Like right. Lil Wayne. It's not Lil Wayne. LK. Yeah. Got it. But, you know, we could have gone in a lot of different directions today with Magomed Ankalaev. I believe the Brazilian Pereira actually pronounces his first name Alex Pereira. You know, Mm. we'll see what they go with this weekend. Um, But we went with Khalil Roundtree Jr. because it ain't Khalil, right? Everybody's dropping a Khalil. They're like, oh, I don't need to listen to this audio file. It's fucking Khalil. Right. So, you know. Dope. Well, I get at least least I'm not cheating. So (laughs) there you go. Hey. Thank you, brother. Nice sweatshirt, too. Hopefully it's the right size. One more sleep. Millions.co. All right. We have got six selections to make for UFC Fight Night. Is it Ankalaya versus Santos? Let's see. Or is it Santos versus Ankalaya? UFC Fight Night. Santos versus Ankalaya. Let's get to the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. And it. The time is most definitely now. I finished fights. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. All right, breakneck pace for the UFC. We have no choice but to spin it forward as we welcome on the host of the MMA Takes podcast, the great Brian Petrie. I kind of missed you last week, bro. Yeah, I missed being on, guys. I missed Growing you. Growing your hair back out? What are we doing? I thought we we're going to yeah, shave our head. Yeah. Yeah. 
So shaved the head, wife wanted to back out. So she <laughs> back out. I took a shower after the fights last night and fell asleep. And before I hopped in here, she's like, you're wearing a hat, right? I was like, yeah, I'll throw it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, one day I'll have to talk to the lovely lady about uh, getting you back in the short hair club. Um, yeah. We update the standings. Petra, you've been on fire. I know you didn't get to celebrate another winning week last week, but James Krause made picks for Team Anik last week, and uh, he did well. Um, won the week. He did pick Greg Hardy, but uh, overall standings, minus 0.8 units for Team Anik, minus 4.4 units for Team Florian Kenflo. You were even on the week, 3-3 three and three with your selections. Took a flyer on Jorge Masvidal, um, and our Fazib Dos Santos bets obviously go off yes. the board. All right, six bets to make today. We will start with a fight that we just could not leave on the cutting room floor, Bri. Alex Pereira, minus 170 against Bruno Silva, plus 150. Many of you know Pereira. Two head-to-head kickboxing wins against Israel Adesanya. Won a bonus for stopping Andreas Mikhailidis in his UFC debut. Trains with Glover Teixeira. And Kenny Glover just raves, by the way, about his strength uh, and appetite for grappling knowledge. So I'll just throw that in your wheelhouse as well. Um Bruno Silva on the other side, 3-0 in the UFC, back-to-back bonuses. I think this fight is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I'm very glad I don't have to pick a winner. BP, who do you have? <laughs> I, I mean, listen, MMA gods, just let this happen, please. I cannot wait for this fight. I love this fight. Listen, there's a lot of unanswered questions because Pereira coming over from kickboxing, Bruno Silva has five times the amount of MMA fights. So the, 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 the idea that people are thinking is, oh, listen – Silva can come in and take him down and submit him. He has no submission wins on his record. He's a banger that likes to stand up, and, and you know, that's what he wants to do. That's what he do with Jordan Wright, got in a little bit of trouble. But he's got bricks for hands. I mean, this guy huh. cracks. But Pereira, listen, I've been watching MMA for, since I was 15, so 20 years, hardcore fan. I don't think I've seen a better left hook than Pereira. That left hook is unbelievable. It's kickboxing, MMA, whether he's countering, where he's leading. That thing is nuts. And I don't want to get too excited. I, I, I get a little googly eyes for the new guys because Pereira's got that juice. He does. They brought him in to fight Izzy. I mean, let's just be honest. If he gets those wins up, he's fighting Izzy. His debut against Andre Michalidis, he looked great, you know, stopped the takedowns and looked devastating, went to the second round. I love that he left Brazil and went to Connecticut. Uh, the change with Glover. Glover's taking him down and just laying on top of him. That's like a right. Ford Escort on top of you because Glover's <laughs> just heavy as shit. I love Pereira here. I, at first glance, I'm like, man, this seems a little off because Bruno Silva has a lot of MMA experience. Pereira doesn't have that. He's the favorite, but he's got that juice. Yeah. And no I just doubt. don't see Pereira. I don't see Silva being able to take him down. I'm going to go Pereira here by knockout, and I'm very confident in this. All right, Brian Petrie is going to look for the knockout prop on Alex Pereira. On the other side, Kemflo Bruno Silva started his MMA career 5-5. Five and five. Now he is 22-6. and six. Your thoughts on him here against Pereira? Yeah, and pretty much all of his losses were early in his career. This guy, uh, you know, experienced a lot of um, volatility early in his career, then found a lot of consistency. And a lot of that consistency uh, happened because of his hands, because of his striking. He does hit very hard. He comes from that shoot-to-box style uh, of striking background also is a Brazilian Jitsu black belt. So he could fall back on that if he does get in trouble. Um, but is that, is that where he can really, uh, you know, be effective against Pereira? I don't know. It remains to be seen, uh, but it is a nice thing to have in your back pocket. Uh, but I don't think he's going to change his colors. Not certainly not early in a fight. And I think that's, what's going to lead to his downfall. Uh, Pereira just is going to be too much. Uh, his size is just crazy. His his strength. Um, I believe in this kid, and I think he's uh, going to do very well here. I, I expect him to win by KO. 
All right, both guys like Alex Pareda. We move on to the lightweights. Drew Dober, modest 250. Terrence McKinney stepping in here for Ricky. The gladiator Glenn is plus 200. I think Ricky Glenn tore his groin. Uh, T-Rex just had a win, as you guys know, February 26. Takes this fight on eight days notice. On the other side, Dober no longer ranked after back-to-back losses. Brian Petrie, who do you have? You know, I don't mind going first because Ken Flo is a legend, but I'm as right now, I'm trying to get in that beautiful mind of Ken Flo and seeing what he's going <laughs> to go with there because this is obviously a late, late minute replacement here. Drew Dober's been been through it all. He's fought everyone. He's very good. The one knock on Drew Dober is is definitely not his looks, but it's his wrestling. Uh, he gets taken down. He gets submitted. Um, that's kind of his thing. But usually he fights high level guys. Terrence McKinney, I love this kid. I love his positive attitude. I love his 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 uh, abilities. I mean, he he cracks, but he's a wrestler. I, I hit him for nine hundred submission prop over Fair I thought that was pretty easy. Um, so there's a lot to be said here because McKinney hasn't been out of the first round. Like, what do we see? The only time we've seen him out of the first round is against Sean Woodson. That was at 145 on the contenders, and he faded. Drew Dober is a tough out. His takedown offense isn't great. And, again, I'm, I'm trying to play the game here, trying to see what Kenny's going to do. I'm going to take McKenny because he's plus 200. I like the wrestling, and uh, I don't want to be SpongeBob SquareBets here, so I'm going to go I'm gonna go underdog. <laughs> I like it. And this is how you spin a career forward, right? Not a whole lot of downside if McKinney loses, not unlike Moicano to Dos Anjos. You certainly don't want to absorb, like, a lot of concussive damage over five rounds necessarily <laughs> like that. Um, but you're right, too. Drew Dober's fucking hot, huh? That he's, guy a good looking, he's a good-looking guy. He's a good-looking guy. <laughs> um, Ken Flo, <laughs> Dober McKinney. Stylistically different matchup for Dober Dober than Glenn would have been. Your thoughts on him here against the uh, late-notice replacement, Terrence McKinney? This is an interesting fight. Um, I-, I think this is going to tell me a lot about McKinney I hope anyway you know um, see him in there in a banger you know because Dober doesn't go away easily he likes to bring the fight to you Uh, he brings a lot of pressure um, you know has a lot of good tools out there that can pose a lot of problems for a lot of guys Um, so yeah curious to see what his approach here is in this fight is he gonna try to stand up and strike with someone like McKinney is he gonna try to take him to the mat because McKinney does come from a good wrestling background as well so um but it is that wrestling background of McKinney, which gives me a lot of confidence in him. I, I like this kid. I, I think he has a lot of potential. He seems very focused. Um, he puts it together well. And I think he's taking this fight for a reason, right? He's not going to just take this fight uh, just to kind of make a paycheck. I, I think he believes he can absolutely win this fight against a true veteran in Drew Dober. So, yeah, Brian, you did get in my head, guy. Uh, <laughs> I, I like Terrence McKinney here as well. For the record, I'll have Ken Flo lead the co-main event today, uh, right, Song Dong and Marlon Marais. But we now get to a pick-em fight, essentially, at light heavyweight. The aforementioned Khalil, don't call him Khalil, Roundtree Jr., minus 115, Carl Robertson, minus 105. So Robertson Bryan has not fought since a loss to B.A. Brendan Allen last April. Roundtree Jr. has fought a lot of strikers in his MMA career. Draws another one here. Your thoughts? Yeah, this is the battle of the inconsistence, you know, and I don't want to disrespect either fighter, but I mean, I've, I was in oh, Atlanta. Yeah, did. <laughs> I did. I did. I was in Atlanta, uh, UFC 236, and Roundtree's kicks 
were like fucking baseball bats. I mean, they were, I've never even heard it before. Like, I mean, it was, it was crazy. That was, and insane. then he goes out and he loses to Marcin Practico, who, you know, gets rocked when he gets Vaseline put on him. I mean, no offense <laughs> to Practico, but how do you lose that fight? I had a lot of money invested in Roundtree. I'm a little bitter. I'm sorry. Um, and then you got Carl Robertson, who, who has literally kind of is a striker, has looked good on the feet. But again, I think there's like a little mental hurdle for him. You know, he had this huge beef with Vittoria. They almost fought and the fights got canceled. He got sick and then goes in there and he lays an egg. But he does have some decent ground game. He has a really good rear naked choke. He gets on your back. It's almost death. Um, so for that reason alone, I'm going to take Robinson. Yeah, I'm going to take Robinson uh, uh, by finish. I like him by sub. Roundtree's cardio kind of bothers me as well, but his stand-up is, is fantastic. But, uh, yeah, give me Robinson here. Can't flow Roundtree Jr. or Robertson for you. Listen, Brian nailed it. Uh, these are two of the most difficult guys to bet on uh, in the UFC, you know, particularly for me, for, for Roundtree. Uh, you know, I think Khalil is the better striker here, or at least he tends to show up a, a little bit more on the feet than, say, uh, Robertson does. I'll, I'll go with Khalil. Um you know, if he's going to get it done, he needs to get it done on the feet and most likely early. Let's go with Khalil. By the way, we were taping anecdotes last week and, and Cody was asking like a viewer question and he called Edson Barboza like Edgison because he's dating a Brazilian girl. So get the <laughs> nice. fuck off my show. Nice. Get off my show. Just <laughs> Cody, I got mad love for you. He dates oh, one Brazilian girl. He's Brazilian. Edgison. I mean, oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, at Feather, how about RDA moving back to Brazil? He should already be there, but he had to delay his whole yeah. goddamn move because he was yeah. supposed to fight Fazeev and, you know, builds this beautiful oh. garage gym in Costa Mesa, California. See ya! <laughs> yeah, I mean, he could always stay in Costa Mesa and just pay 10 times the right, amount right. or more yeah. than he would pay in Brazil. He could live like a king there. Right. Go to Brazil, Oh, and, and his wife wants to be there, you know. Right. That's why wow. Ken flows in Charlotte. <laughs> his wife wants to be there. All right, at Featherweight, this is a big fight here. 12th ranked Sadiq Yusuf, minus 235. Number 15, Alex Caceres, plus 190. Raise your hand if you're happy to see a number next to Alex Caceres' name. Fucking me. I love both of these guys, Brian. I hate to see either of them lose. I know that's a lazy take, but uh, who do you like in this one? Big stakes here at 145 pounds. Interesting fight. I like this. Excuse me. I like this matchmaking. I'm not Yanni the Greek, so excuse me if I get my stats here wrong because he's a stats guy. Uh, Alex Harris has won six underdog fights, has won six underdog wins in the UFC. I mean, that's incredible. He's the capper's dream. He was the underdog against Chase Hooper, slight underdog. I got him at the, the underdog price. No offense to Chase Hooper. I hope he's eating M&Ms. I hope he's enjoying his life. But he shouldn't have been an underdog to Chase Hooper at that point in Chase Hooper's career. I mean, Chase Hooper's like, what, 15 years old? Uh, he's got a long way to go. So Nick's my guy, though. Explosive, powerful. Uh, I, I One of the best contender series fights I've ever seen against Mike Davis, who's also a stud. This guy's really good. And he has his, he's coming off that loss almost a year ago to Arnold Allen. But I rewatched that fight recently, and it was a lot closer than than people give Sadiq credit for. I mean, yep. Sadiq got dropped in round one and two, battled back. Round three was his best round, so cardio checks out. He's explosive. He's powerful. Caceres, I think, has only been knocked out or finished by TKO once. Usually he gets finished by sub. Haven't really seen that in Sadiq's game. I can understand why a lot of people are in Caceres here. He's the underdog darling, but I'm a Sadiq guy. I'm a believer in Sadiq Yusuf. I like him by decision. I think Caceres is going to hold up well. I'm, I'm going to take Sadiq by decision. I love you giving the method of victory, even though it's not required. Chase Hooper's whiter than you, by the way, Bri. Oh, yeah. I love him. Alex Caceres is on some, like, Jim Miller shit right now. He's competed 25 times in the UFC. He's won five in a row, been on the roster 
longer than me, over a decade. Yeah. Nine and four since returning to the featherweight division full-time, Ken Flo. What do you think he has for Sadiq Yusuf? Jeez, you know, I've been really impressed with Caceres and his ability to improve in, in, in all areas. I, I trained with uh, Caceres early on in his career, so he's definitely come a long way, man. Um, and he's fought a lot smarter as well. Uh, can he beat a guy like Sadiq Youssef, though? I, I don't think so. I, I think Sadiq uh, has him in, in, in a few different departments. Um, I don't think he has him in the grappling department. I think Caceres is probably better there. Um, but he, Caceres does have an unorthodox approach, um, which could throw off some people. I don't think it's going to throw off Sadiq Youssef enough though. I, I like Sadiq here. All right. Co-main event. Ken Flo leads here. A couple of ranked Bantamweights, 14th ranked Song Yadong taking on number 10 magic Marlon Marais. Yadong minus 260, Marais plus 210. Was looking at Marais's strength of schedule today, Kenny, just absurd. Um, that's my favorite name to hear you say, by the way. But he's winless now, dating to 2019. He's lost three in a row. Last fight for him, UFC 266, a loss to Marab Dwalish Willie. Yudong on the other side, just one loss in nine UFC appearances, but he's been in a lot of close fights. And I do know that Marais has spent some time in Thailand training for this fight. What are your thoughts, Kenny, on the co-main event? Yeah, geez. You know, uh, Marais has such a great uh, offensive arsenal. Um when he's on his game, man, he is capable of beating anyone in his weight class. I truly believe that. Um, the problem is he's short on confidence right now, uh, and I think it is kind of bringing him down this rabbit hole that has really turned him into a completely different fighter. Um, so I think he's a little gun-shy right now, which is not great. Uh, has he gotten over that mental hurdle? I don't know. He's still going to be super dangerous just based on his speed alone. Uh, man, is he fast. Man, is he powerful. Um, and he's got a lot of weapons on the feet. Um, and early on, you really got to watch out. So he could win this fight early. There's no question about it. But it's it's especially difficult, just like how Edson Barbosa ex has experienced this, when someone has the blueprint on you. Once they've clearly identified a weakness and an approach and a game plan as that has been proven, it's going to be hard to make those adjustments. Um, and it's a little concerning that we haven't seen those adjustments made by Marlon Moraes right now, no matter what camp he's with. Um, so uh, I, I like, I like the dong here. I, I think, uh, I think, uh, yeah, I think Song Dong is going to get it done. So I mentioned the strength of schedule, Brian, for uh, magic Marlon Moraes and not that this is an easy fight, but certainly on paper, um, it seems to be a little bit of a let up compared to the gauntlet where he's fought only top six competition since he touched foot in the UFC. Um, what are your thoughts on Marais here trying to sort of kickstart <clears throat> something against Song Yudong? Yeah, this is this is the fight. I mean, you know, every time I dig into these guys, I can't believe Song Yudong's 24. I know that gets mentioned like every time. And he's got uh, so many fights. And Marlon Marais is only 33. And, I, you know, the past couple fights, I've actually kind of called for his retirement. I don't like seeing him take that punishment. It looks like he's kind of unmotivated and getting put out. And, and, you know, he could be on a five-fight losing streak if, if the judges uh, gave it to Jose Aldo. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't like seeing fighters take, you know, unnecessary punishment. But when he came to the UFC in the World Series of Fighting, the guy's fucking dangerous. And I like the move to American Top Team. I believe he was in uh, Jersey with Edgar, then went to Top Team. And I like hearing him that he's in uh, Thailand to, to really kind of maybe polished up his defense stuff because his kicks and punches are powerful. But Song Yudong, you know, he's he's been next up for a while. We've been hearing about this kid for a long time. He's got one loss in UFC. He's got a, a draw, but he's got one loss in my guy, Kyler Phillips, which was another close fight. And he's coming off a really beautiful knockout over Jose, uh, Julio Arce. Excuse me. 
And I just, you know, I like Song's power here. I think his power is going to be the difference. I think his takedown defense is, is showing up pretty well. Another thing about Marlon Rice is, is his cardio hasn't really shown up at, as, as his chin hasn't. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I hope for a good fight. I kind of hope that Marlon Rice maybe gets it to a decision so I don't have to see him get knocked out. But I do think Song's going to catch him. He's a big, powerful young kid. So I'm going to go Song Yudong by KO. All right, both guys like Song Yudong. And, Brian, I'll go right back to you on the main event. Number five and number six at light heavyweight, Magomed Ankalaev, minus 490 against Tiago Mahetta Santos, who is plus 360. So Ankalaev, as you guys know, has been on a tear, dropped his debut to Paul Craig, but since he's reeled off seven straight, he's a five to one favorite here. Brian, who do you have? Sorry, couldn't resist. I love, I love the Paul Craig. I love he's it. Scotland, correct? Yes. 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 Scotland. Right. And we talk about Mike Myers. If it's not Scottish, it's yeah. crap. But the Scots got on me. Do they call Scotland people Scots? I don't know. I think I'm Scottish, too. So I think I'm allowed to say Paul Craig, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I think so. Well, no, they really don't like the way Americans say Craig. As oh, in, right. Like, lost Craig. Sorry. Yeah. Like, it should be Craig. Craig. And yeah. then if you roll a little bit, you go Paul fucking Craig. I love it. You sound like a complete asshole. Um, <laughs> Brian, who wins the main event? Uncle, I have a prohibitive favorite, I would say, yeah. but perhaps not. Well, Uncle I is my guy. I think this guy's going to be shining about real soon. Um, the only, obviously, blemish on his record was was the Paul Craig fight. And he was winning that fight until the second left, you know. But he he looked a little not himself, like what we have seen. Um, and he's shown he can do it any kind of way. You know, he's knocked out guys. I mean, knocked out Kudalaba twice. I don't care what they say about the first one. If right. Kudalaba was acting or not, you know, this isn't time to fucking be dancing like that. Um, but also, he's won by decision. He's beaten some good guys by decision. So his cardio is checked out. He has that Sambo background. He's in Vegas right now training at, uh, I believe, at Extreme uh, uh, Couture uh, with Eric Nixick. He's finishing his camp up there. I like that. And Santos is a guy that I've constantly overlooked. I remember this guy getting knocked out at 85 by Dave Branch going, oh, okay, well, he's going to go up to 205 now. But that was the best thing that he's ever done because 185 was too much of a weight cut. He's never been knocked out at 205. He's a massive guy. And going up to 205 would really change his career, and I loved it. But I really do think his peak performance was the John Jones fight. I mean, I blew too. both his knees out. It was a very close fight. Gave John he all he could handle. I thought he won, too. I mean, when people bring up the close John Jones fights, a lot of people bring up the Reyes fight. I bring up the Santos fight. I thought Me that too, fight, bro. I thought that fight was way closer. Um, and he, and he's, it, but then after the knee injury, I know it's devastating to come back from two knee injuries. He's looked very pedestrian. And we've seen what a power puncher can do to Johnny Walker, and he didn't do that. And it really puts a pause in me to really want to run to the window and bet plus 360 against this guy when Ankoliath, to me, hasn't really shown any weakness. I think this fight could have go to a decision, but I think you're going to get a better price if you go Ankoliath by TKL because Santos has been proven to be pretty durable. So that's my pick, Ankoliath by TKL. And that's a good handicap. It is interesting. It's hard not to think about those 25 minutes against Johnny Walker juxtaposed against what Jamal Hill was able to do against him. Ken Floanka, Laev Santos, to what extent are you a believer in Magomed long-term, and who do you have in the main event? Brian's on fire tonight. <laughs> on fire. He's got the tie-dye shirt and everything. Well, <laughs> listen, I agree, man. Um, listen, I, I think that for Tiago Santos, um, he, since his knee surgery particularly for me, he – it seems like he leaves his gun in the holster way too much. He, he, he does not let him go. What makes him dangerous is his power, his speed. And I haven't really seen that. He's not unleashing those weapons. So uh, that's a little concerning. And he's massive, even at 205 pounds, despite him fighting at 185. He's still big for the division. Uh, but he's not utilizing that. 
and I think what Ankalaev has going for him is the fact that, yes, he can strike. Uh, he does need to be careful against Santos here. No question about it. Santos is still going to be dangerous, but he has the ability to take you down as well. And I think that's most likely what his game plan is going to be, especially early. Just kind of stifle and smother that offense of Santos. Put him on his back. Get him tired. Santos does get tired, especially when he's grappling. And... You know, as far as grappling goes, it takes a long time, man, to get good. It, it really does. Um, and I think that for Santos, I don't think he's done enough to really make up that grappling gap um, against someone like Ankalaev, who's going to be the better wrestler here. He's going to control him. He's going to work that ground and pound. So Ankalaev uh, should win this fight. And like Brian, I agree. I think he's a guy that is going to be a 205-pound champion in the near future. All right, good stuff, Ken Flo. I think uh, when I submit my retirement letter to Pahumpa with my jujitsu, I'm retiring from jujitsu. I just decided. <laughs> Come on. Uh, Come on. Uh, <laughs> hey, Brian Petrie, MMA yes. Takes Podcast. What do you got coming up this week? Anything that we should be locked into or what? No, I mean, I, I do a pick them every week. You know, okay. MMA Takes Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, all that stuff. Yeah, just give my, uh, give my picks out. All right, buddy. Great to see your shining face. Where do you live exactly? Remind me. Cincinnati, Ohio, baby. You're still there. I know you're a Bengals fan. Yeah. I didn't know if you were still there. That's pretty far Correct. from Columbus or no? No, I'm going. I'm, I'll be there. Tickets purchased. We can, we can set up already with the wife. Yeah. You already bought tickets? Yeah, oh, yeah. All right. Let's cross-check. And if mine are better, okay. you can use mine. I appreciate Mine are not it. on the floor, unlike Bruce Buffer and Joe Rogan stuff. I, so. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think Fuck I up, went right? floor. I don't think yeah. I went floor, but I did. What? I did it. I did empty All the right. wall a little bit. So we'll we'll cross check. All right. Well, I'm All excited right. to meet you nonetheless. Yeah, uh, awesome. And we, yeah, we appreciate you, brother. All right, we'll talk Thanks, to you next boys. week. Thanks, boys. Right, there dude. he is. Good work. Brian Petrie with us on the main event challenge. All right, that is it for today. Don't forget, remember the show coming up this Thursday. If you want to hear Bilal Muhammad's thoughts on Colby Covington's big win. Also, AnnaFlorianPodcast.com for all of your merchandise needs. You can also go to KennyFlorianMartialArts.com. I spent 22 minutes on that website this morning. I'm not even fucking kidding. It's all laid out beautifully. And I really do believe that if you are somebody who is a jiu-jitsu practitioner on any level, just go to the website, right? Check out the promo code, which I believe is AF15, but at least go to the website. Because even a guy like me who fucking hates jiu-jitsu... No, I'm just kidding. I love watching it. I just don't like, you know, putting on the gi and having, you know, a dude in my guard and all that. But I really strongly, strongly encourage you to check that Thank out. Thank you, brother. Um, and millions.co if you want to get in on the One More Sleep movement as well. Uh, best producer in podcast history, Cody Merrill. Thank you, sir. Thanks to our guests, Ray Longo, Brian Petrie. We are back with you next Monday. We'll get you ready for Tommy Aspinall and Alexander Volkov. And, of course, recap Ankalaev and Santos with that. For the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Black Belt, Ken Flom, John A. saying so long. Thanks for listening, for watching, subscribing. All that stuff helps the show. We'll talk to you next week. Until then, yo, fucking later. <laughs>
For generations, we have known of the healing powers of art at an individual and community level. Please join us as we interview prominent artists, collectors, curators, and influencers in the world of Chicano Latinx art. We will explore historical, regional, and political influences that impact Chicano Latinx art today. Along with our partners at www.latinoarte.com, we are preserving the colorful and rich history of Chicano Latinx art for future generations, one interview at a time. Please join us at Healing with Dr. George, the power of Chicano Latinx art, wherever you listen to podcasts. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. 